we prepare uh, on this Super Bowl Sunday, the reality is the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs will be going head-to-head. And they have sacrificed so much during this season to make it to this place called the Super Bowl. And every member of each of those two teams tonight, every member matters. And they have been so pivotal along the way in the entire journey. And it will be important for them to give their very best tonight as they compete in this game. They have modeled interdependence. They have modeled sacrifice. They have modeled trust and commitment. So tonight, the best of the best will go head to head. But the reality is we don't know who will win the Super Bowl until it's over. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we know we are on the winning team. I've read the Bible from cover to cover. I've been preaching the Bible since age 16. I'm 50, so that's 34 years. And I have read the final chapter. We win. You see, Jesus has already won the victory by what he did 2,000 years ago when he sacrificed his life on the cross and three days later buried in a borrowed tomb. Why was it borrowed? Because he only needed it for three days. And he rose from the dead, conquering the grave, conquering the enemy, and conquering death. And he invites us to live this Christian life, not for victory, but from victory, the victory that has already been won. And sometimes that Christian life does not feel victorious. There are experiences along the way that challenge our faith and may even experiences that stifle our growth. We encounter the potholes of life and the speed bumps of stress. Sometimes we'll go through the university of adversity and we experience difficulties in life and then we graduate and then uh, then we go back in through the University of Adversity, learn lessons that we didn't learn the first time. And that's part of life. As we're living from victory and as we are overcoming adversity in our journey. But adversity reminds us that we must rely fully upon God's provision of grace. And it also reminds us that we need our fellow believers as we do life together. You see, the Christian life is not a solo flight. The Christian life is not a solo sport. We need each other. And God has called us to do life together in community as we follow Jesus every day. We have learned in our study here in the book of Philippians chapters 1 and chapter 2 some tremendous truths from God's Word. We've addressed some questions that have been rather heavy And wondering, how do you let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel? How do you count others more significant than yourself? How do you look not only to your own interests, which is natural, but also to the interests of others? How can you have the mind of Christ? How can you allow the mind of Christ to permeate every area of your life and every relationship and every encounter and everything you go through? How do you work out what God has worked in? This amazing salvation that God has worked in. How do we work out what he has worked in? And then how do we shine as lights in this dark world? 
And we've been walking through those questions and wrestling with God in His Holy Word. And God's been unveiling His truth to us. And we're so blessed because we have the example of Jesus. And Jesus, as we have affirmed, is our model to follow. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus, without question, is our model to follow, our model of humility, our model of servanthood, our model of living your life to be a blessing and benefit to other people, our model of sacrifice and service. But we also have the model known as the Apostle Paul. What a great example the Apostle Paul has been to us. And, you know, Paul, the one that was a persecutor of the church, becomes a preacher of the gospel. Sounds like a good movie, doesn't it? Saul becomes Paul. Saul, the persecutor of the church. Saul, who was very passionate about attacking and eliminating the followers of the way. That would be Christians, us. And he had authority from the chief priest to arrest the followers of the way, even to eliminate them. And this one who was a persecutor of the church had a divine encounter, Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus. God intervened, and Jesus transformed Saul's life. And Saul becomes Paul from a persecutor of the church to a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's just a refreshing reminder as an example for us that if God can change Saul into Paul, there's not a person on earth God can't change. There's anybody in your family tree, you're like, there's no way. If there's somebody in your workplace, like, uh-uh, there's no way. If there's somebody in your sphere of influence or in your interactions or even that you see on television or on the news or globally, you're like, there's no chance for them. There's no hope for them. You think about where Paul was when Jesus found him. And if God can turn Saul into a Paul, a persecutor of the church into a preacher of the gospel, there's hope for you and there's hope for me and there's no Doubt there's hope for everyone on this planet. We have the example of the Apostle Paul. But you may say, but Jesus is the Son of God. He was perfect, tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. And he's our ultimate model to follow. And the Apostle Paul, but he, he wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. He's such a special man of God. All those missionary journeys, I don't know that I can connect with that. When I put my life next to the Apostle Paul, I'm like, whoa, there's no way. And the Apostle Paul gives us two more examples that I want us to look at. Ordinary people that God uses in extraordinary ways. Ordinary people who become examples of sacrifice and service that I hope will be a blessing and encouragement to all of us. Look with me now in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. And we're going to look together at the example of Timothy. And how Timothy exemplified Jesus as his model to follow through sacrifice and service. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Paul writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. 
For I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, I love that word picture, he has served with me in the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus. Verse 23, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Now here's the context. The Apostle Paul is in Rome. He's under house arrest. Remember, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day. They rotate through. Paul has a freedom to have guests into his being under house arrest. So he has two gentlemen with him, one Timothy, one Epaphroditus. These two that he is invested in. These two who are serving with him in ministry and helping him. Now, Timothy shows up, and Timothy has an incredible story. Timothy is the one that Paul met on his first missionary journey, where we believe Paul uh, led Timothy's mother and grandmother to faith in Jesus Christ. So they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul influences Timothy to faith in Christ. And so Timothy has the joy of being reared by a godly mother and a godly grandmother who teach him the scriptures, who invest in him, who make sure he's growing in the word of God. So Timothy is developing his faith and growing his spiritual muscle. Now Paul comes back through to Lystra and Derby in Acts chapter 16, and there he notices Timothy. How Timothy has grown in the faith. And Paul invites Timothy to join the team on the next missionary journey. We're going to share Jesus. I mean, it's like getting a teenager to join the Billy Graham evangelistic crusade. Wow. Timothy gets to travel and shadow the apostle Paul. And God does something very special in Timothy's life. Timothy gets to shadow Paul gets to be mentored by Paul, gets to be a mentee of this giant mentor, the Apostle Paul. So now Paul has Timothy with him in Rome, 850 miles away from Philippi. It's been 10 years in this journey since Paul has birthed the church at Philippi, Acts chapter 16. Timothy's been traveling with Paul, shadowing Paul. Now Paul is writing this love letter to the church at Philippi. And included in that letter are these two godly examples of sacrifice and service. And Paul is saying, I'm going to send Timothy to you soon. And I want to be cheered by the news I receive about you, church at Philippi. And I love how he captures Timothy. For I have no one like him. It's literally, we are, we are same-souled. Same-souled, deeply connected. No one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, authentically concerned. For most people seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but Timothy lives to benefit others. Notice verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth. You see, Timothy has proven his faith. He has demonstrated his discipleship. Can you imagine all that Timothy has experienced on a missionary journey with Paul? Can you imagine as Paul goes into a city, it's either a revival or a riot, and Timothy gets to experience that. Timothy gets to see how to 
overcome adversity, how to navigate the difficult seasons of life. Timothy gets to observe how Paul combats evil and overcomes temptation and how to put on the full armor of God to stay on mission with God. Timothy is getting to experience all of this with Paul. And I love it how as a son with a father, he has served with me, served with me in the gospel. The word serve here is like uh, from the root word doulos, where you're a servant by choice. And Timothy is serving by choice and, and sharing the gospel with Paul. Serving to make a difference in the kingdom of God. So Paul says, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it would go with me. You see, Paul understands he could be executed at any moment personally. He may not make it past this day. But then you see his faith in Jesus Christ in verse 24. And I trust in the Lord. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So Paul is trusting God to make a way so that he can go see the church at Philippi. That God would provide the way. You know, when you think about Paul and Timothy in that relationship, when you think about the example of Timothy before us, you know this. You've seen this in your journey. Some things are taught, but some things are caught. Some things are taught, some things are caught. And I wonder, are we contagious in our Christianity? I wonder if we go beyond just teaching that, that we're also allowing our lives to be contagious where it's caught and not just taught. If you've ever been around someone who is passionate about the things of God, it's almost as though it gets on you. Or if you're ever around somebody who's negative, it, it's like the negativity gets on you and pulls you down. You get around somebody who is bold and sharing their faith, it, it like gets on you. It's contagious. Or someone who has the joy of the Lord that is their strength, it gets on you. And I wonder how contagious we are in our Christianity. I wonder if what we have will be caught by others. I wonder if we'll become contagious in our daily journey with God. And it's okay to be down. It's okay to be real. It's okay to be authentic. It's okay to be genuine. That's part of the journey. It's not putting on this plastic Christianity that everything in my life is so ordered. Everything in my life is just right. It's okay to be broken bread and poured out wine. But be authentic and real. What will others catch from you? And may we catch from Timothy this genuine care, compassion, and concern for others. You know, the best friends are those who serve and care for you like Christ would serve and care for you. Do you have friends like that? I hope so. And the bigger question is, are you a friend like that? I hope so. We have Timothy's amazing example. Servitude, sacrifice, just living to be a blessing and benefit to others. But I want us to notice Epaphroditus. And I want you to say his name with me. It's a cool name. Epaphroditus. It literally does sound like a firework you would buy at a firework stand. I want a, an Epaphroditus. His name means charmer. It's very likely his parents 
being Greek, would have worshipped Venus or Aphrodite, the gods. And maybe they named him Epaphroditus in alignment with that upbringing and that worship. And it's amazing how God takes Epaphroditus and allows him to be charming and connecting and able to relate to other people, able to love at such a unique level as we're going to see in this passage. Look with me, verse 25. How Epaphroditus exemplified Jesus through sacrifice and service. In verse 25, Paul says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. And notice what he calls him, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also and on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. You can just see the relationship. Verse 28, I'm all the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice to seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him, the Lord, with all joy, and honor men. Honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus sounds like a very special man. And what we come to find out, he was an ordinary man that God uses in Paul's life and others in extraordinary ways. I love these terms Paul places over Epaphroditus, my brother. Here's the apostle Paul calling Epaphroditus, my brother. And that's the beauty of being adopted into God's family. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you become a brother or sister in Christ. We become family, adopted in the same family. I love how Paul calls him my fellow worker. That we're on the same team, heading in the same direction, and we're serving the same awesome God, my fellow worker. And that's what we are, fellow workers in Christ's fields. And then he uses the concept fellow soldier, which goes back to chapter 1 where we, we march shoulder to shoulder in the faith, side by side, that we are soldiers in the Lord's army. And then he talks about Epaphroditus and his relationship to the church at Philippi and says, your messenger that was sent from the church at Philippi, we learn in chapter 4, verse 18, to bring a financial gift from them to Paul. A messenger, and then a minister to my need that he was willing to come and serve the needs that Paul had. And I love how personal it gets in verse 26. For he has been longing for you all. That Epaphroditus, now with Paul, has been longing for the church at Philippi. And this is my favorite phrase. And has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. A couple of weeks ago, Tanya and I were invited to go to Smokey and Connie McWhorters' home. Smokey had been battling cancer, and it had intensified. And so several gathered at the home, and the Lord uh, led me to bring anointing oil that uh, just to claim James chapter 5. If any of you are sick, call the elders of the church to anoint you with oil, and the prayer offered in faith will make you well. And... 
had the privilege of anointing Smokey with oil, his head, his hands, his feet. And the men stayed in one room to surround Smokey to pray for him. The ladies went in the other room to pray over Connie. And as we were preparing to pray over Smokey, he wanted to know how I was doing. Well, how are you doing, Pastor Stephen? Connie wanted to know how Tanya's doing. Like we're there to minister to them, and they're more concerned about us. And that's what being yielded to Christ looks like. That it gives you a new orientation where life's no longer about you, it's about others. You, you're, you're more other-minded, other-centered. You're living to be a blessing and benefit to others. And here, Epaphroditus, he has been distressed because they heard that he was ill. And the word distressed here is the same word in the language of the New Testament that identifies distress and distress Jesus was under in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus prayed, may this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You remember that Luke tells us that Jesus' distress was so immense, his anguish was so intensified that he sweat drops of blood. It's called hematidrosis, where your capillaries literally rupture because of the anguish you're under. That's the word used here. That Epaphroditus was distressed because they heard he was ill. He was distressed because of their distress about his distress. That's a portrait of deep love for people. So Paul says, I'm more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. That I may be less anxious. What's so powerful is how God's mercy was demonstrated in healing Epaphroditus. We don't know if it was medicinal. We don't know if the Apostle Paul laid hands on him and prayed for him and, and he was healed. We don't know how he was healed. We just know the mercy of God was exhibited in healing Epaphroditus. And now Paul's going to send him back to Philippi. So he says, receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. One of my favorite authors in the area of leadership is John Maxwell. I have all of his books. When I was younger in ministry, I was part of his tape of the month club. Enjoy life with John Maxwell. Cassette tapes, you remember those? I love how he captures this concept. To add value to others, you must value others. To add value to others, you must value others. And value what others value. Make yourself then more valuable. And the more we become like Christ, the more valuable we will be to others, and the more we will value others, and the more we will value what others value. I love this quote from Tony Marita. Faithful Christian living involves pouring our lives out little by little in practical acts of service over the long haul. As I think about our Champion Force family, almost 13,000 members, 
8,000 every weekend in attendance. There's somebody in our membership that I just want to share with you blows me away. And it's Randy Barnett. We had the privilege of honoring Randy and Rhonda Barnett on Tuesday at our all-staff luncheon. Yesterday was Randy's 40th anniversary as facilities director of Champion Forest Baptist Church. February 1st, 1980. Where were you in 1980? Champion Forest was on Champion Forest Drive in Greenwood Forest on nine acres of land, running about 300. And Randy has been such a vital part of all the building campaigns and all the expansion. And starting with just, just a few thousand square feet to oversee and manage, now over a million square feet to maintain and manage. And super involved in the building of this campus. And just has the joy of the Lord. How can I help? How can I serve? And we all call him all the time. Even at North Klein, if a door doesn't lock or a door won't open or a door opens by itself, we call Randy. <laughs> and he's always willing to serve and add value to others. Because his model to follow is Jesus Christ. And Randy knows that you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. And I'm so grateful for Randy and Rhonda and his family Rhonda, I want you to stand. You'll be celebrating your 44th wedding anniversary in June. Rhonda Barnett, Randy's wife, is here with us. Let's honor her. Thank you, Rhonda. We love you so much. So it's our turn now. Teamwork makes God's dream work. And God has invited us to be on his team. So it's like the handoff in football. The ball is now in our possession, and, and God wants us to carry the ball down the field to serve him, to emulate Christ through sacrifice and service. It's our turn now. I want to ask you two questions in closing. Number one, are you on the winning team? That's the most important question you'll answer in your lifetime. Are you on the winning team? Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What Paul was saying is living for Christ, Jesus. My life on earth, Jesus. If I die, heaven. So far the believer, it's a win-win. If you live, Jesus. If you die, heaven. It's a win-win. But it's vital that you're on the winning team. That you're on the Jesus team. And you have to be willing to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus alone for salvation. You've got to receive the gift of eternal life. You have to allow what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross for you to be applied to your life. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you get a new jersey. And it's the Jesus jersey. You're robed in his righteousness. You're adopted into his family. You're filled by his spirit. You are now on the winning team. And it's vital that you're on the winning team. Because if you're not on the winning team, 
then you are not ready for eternity. If you're not on the winning team, it means you spend eternity in hell. And I want you to be ready for death or the rapture, whichever comes first in our lifetime. Either death or rapture. And Jesus could come before I finish this message. Jesus could come before the Super Bowl. Think of all the people are going to lose a lot of money. He could come at any moment, and I have a mandate from God. My assignment from God is to get as many people on the winning team in my lifetime as I can. So I implore you, I beg you, if you're not on the Jesus team, if you've not received the Jesus jersey, today is your day. We're going to have prayer partners standing right here up this ramp by the wall. We're going to have prayer partners on this side by this ramp up the wall, right by the baptistry. If you want to be on the winning team, if you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ, go to any one of these prayer partners right after the service, and they're going to say, Hi, what's your name? What's on your heart? Share your name and just say, I need a new jersey. I want to go to heaven. Or just say, I don't want to go to hell. Are you on the winning team? The second question for those of us who know the Lord, who are on the winning team, what kind of teammate are you? What kind of teammate are you? Are you a spectator or a participator? Are you a consumer or a contributor? Are you self-absorbed? Are you living to benefit others? Emulate Christ through sacrifice and service. What does that look like on Monday morning? Invite others into the journey. Invest in others. Be a friend. Be poured into and pour out your life into others. And spend the rest of your life inviting others to join the winning team. That's why we're alive. That's why we exist. To emulate Christ in sacrifice and service so that those who know us but don't know him will come to know him because they know us. Would you bow with me? Lord, thank you for this precious moment. Thank you, Lord, that we're on the winning team. And I pray that we'll be the kind of teammates that emulate your sacrifice and servitude. Thank you for all the godly examples you've placed in our path. Lord, we're so blessed to have mothers and grandmothers and grandparents and aunts and uncles and parents and teachers and coaches life group leaders and pastors, community leaders, servants at every level in our community who have demonstrated servitude and sacrifice by emulating Christ. Lord, thank you for all the godly examples you've placed in our life. And Lord, help us to be a godly example for others that we will demonstrate our devotion to you and allowing you to live your life in us and through us. Lord, would you have your way if there's anyone here who's not on the winning team, that today will be the day of their salvation. And Lord, any adjustments we need to make in our journey with you to be better teammates, to be contagious in our Christianity, to value others, and to add value to others. Lord, any adjustments we need to make in our lives, that we would be fully submitted to you in making those changes. God, have your way in us and through us is our prayer, and we always pray in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, amen and amen.
Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.